Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is a unique, it's one of our longer chapters of our Bible. I know the Psalms are not chapters, they're just Psalms, and sometimes it's easy for me to go say turn to chapter 78, but they're Psalms. But this one's a long song, and its purpose seems to be to challenge God's people to remember the next generation. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter, um, I think it's 11, verse number 19, again, he's just reminding you've got to keep passing this song. One of the reasons God gave us the Bible is for that purpose. These people in Deuteronomy, they, they, they had to pass on from their dads, told them their, their kids, and they really drilled it into them. And we still need to do that today. And may I say, young people, you need to listen. You need to get your ears open and your heart open. Don't go through the briar bush if you don't have to. A prudent man foreseeth evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and take their licks. Is when you see a problem, you see a briar patch, don't, don't go through it and see if you can make it. Go on a plain path around that thing. Listen to your teachers. Listen to you. Be faithful. Be a part of the solution, not a part of a problem. Don't be a hardhead with your dad or your mom. Submit your will. Listen. Sir, learn the beautiful words of yes, sir, and no, no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. You have a will, and that's all right, but learn to listen to your mom. Learn to listen to your dad. They have your best interest at mind. They love you more than anyone loves you. They love you more than your friends love you. Right. Well, I match me as my friends. Your friends wouldn't even buy a Dairy Queen ice cream cone for you. And you'll give more allegiance to them than, than you'll give your own mom and dad. We don't want to do that. We want to listen. And, and the future is at stake. And here the Bible tells it's a long chapter, and I'll not go through the whole chapter. But chapter uh, from Psalms, Psalms 1 through 8, it basically says God's mentality, what he wants to do. And then he chronicles the failures of his people, beginning at the nation or the, the tribe of Ephraim. And then going down through to all the things that God did for them and all the things they didn't care about what God did for them. And their ingratitude, their stubbornness, their rebellion, and, and God's mercy upon their lives. And then it concludes that God said, you know what I'm going to do to get the next generation? I'm going to choose David. And he, and he tells some things about David that all of us can be a David to someone. Now, David... Is a representative. He was a second king of Israel. We know he's a man after God's own heart. We also know that he is. Um, it's from the throne of David is going to come our Messiah, Jesus Christ. It did come our Messiah, Jesus Christ, and he's going to rule from Jerusalem. You ever wonder why the nation of Israel, the size of New Jersey, in our in our state, one of our smaller states, nation Israel is about that size. It's not that big. It's surrounded by 13 Muslim countries that de deny its existence. Don't even want to recognize it as a real sovereign country. You ever wonder why it's, it keeps popping up on our, on our news feeds continually? Because God has a, he has a vision and he has a purpose for his people. And they're going to be very much paramount in the tribulation period, paramount in the millennium period. And uh, there is something going on that God is doing some things and this world is very strong and there's lots of evil, wicked men. And the Bible tells us as time goes on, men will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We know that's happening. But actually, 
the world as we know it is playing right into God's hand and into his vice grip. They will cry uncle. They're, they're coming down and they think they're winning, but they're actually losing. And good night in the morning. If you're a child of God, stay out of that vice grip. <laughs> Quit trying to flow along with the world. Once you stand and be different, having done all to stand. As we look at this pastor scripture, we see the psalmist cry out to the Lord. And, and then God tells us kind of how, how he wanted the next generation to go. Let's just look at a couple thoughts and we'll conclude this evening. Give ear. Listen. O my people, my law, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Basically, pay attention. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings of old. And, of course, he's reminding them, as their fathers have passed on one thing after another, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We sat by the fires at night and listened to our dad tell us the ways of God and how God wanted us to think and how we were different. We're not like this world. We're Israelites. We're different. We have the God Jehovah. He said, remember what your daddy told you. And our dads have told us through the years, we're captivating and we're keeping that in our heart. Listen and uh, pay attention. You young adults and, and, and middle-aged adults and those who are raising kids, listen, I'm so proud of your faithfulness to be faithful on Sunday morning. If you can be here on Sunday night and midweek service, midweek service, don't skip on Wednesday if you can be in place. Talk to someone who attends. He goes, Pastor, I've been working. I've been watching online. It's just not the same. And it's not. It's not the best way you can do things. And I appreciate people showing up and providing their presence and their participation in the house of God. He said, but listen and pass it on, just like our fathers have told us. And they spoke to us. Verse number four, the Bible says, we will not hide them from their children, showing the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. It's good to rehearse what God has done. As your 16th pastor here, First Baptist Church of Hammond, um, oftentimes I have walked the halls of the second floor here when no one else is here but me and looked into the face of Alan Hill, who moved here to Hammond, Indiana at 52 years old. His kids are all raised and gone, and he and his wife moved here, rented a house in Hammond. Two other men, if I'm not mistaken, had already tried to come and start something here, but he and his wife came. And began winning people to Christ in April, May, and June, and August. Gathered them in their house for Bible studies. On November the 28th, they rented the conference room of the Morton House Hotel. And gathered people together, and 12 people signed their names. One married couple, two sisters, and eight single adults who had gotten saved. And gotten baptized and decided we can start the First Baptist Church of Hammond. Pastor Hewitt came. That happened November. He came in April, took that little fledgling group of people and moved them from the conference room to the opera house. They cleaned it up after a Saturday night show and got it ready and started having people come. The first mayor of our town, Mayor Toll, there's even a street named after him, talked to the pastor and said, you know, I got property I purchased over here in Sibley, right here now where the Walker building is, a little bit farther in to the block. He said, if you guys want that, I'll, we'll give it to you. Just got to put up a church building. They put up the first Baptist church building. Now think about different men who have pastored through the years. And of course, 1959, when Brother Hiles came and, and uh, really put soul winning on steroids and bus ministry. And God used him in a wonderful way. And having the joy to continue ministry together with you. But 
We have to sometimes know where we came from to know where we're going. I think about doing funerals every year. I, I think the next time I do a funeral will be 544 times I've stood at a casket with a family and comforted them. And when I came to your pastor, it was 279 funerals I'd done. So that's been more than almost doubled now with people who are very faithful. How many remember Brother Dick Kennedy over here? Brother Norman Pfeiffer used to sit back here. Uh, so many of us should not probably name names, but, but just so many sweet, sweet people throughout the ministry that they're the, they're the reason we're here today. We stand on their shoulders and their investment and their love. Those are the people that pulled off wedding bands to start House Anderson College. Those are the people who built this building and the building across the way and followed and worked on bus routes, listening to Brother Johnny Pope and his sweet wife, Miss Barb, and her dad just bought a bus, kept it at his house, maintained his own bus, and ran his bus every Sunday. For many, many years, they didn't even eat at home. They just, the mom packed lunch for everyone who rode the bus and their family. They served lunch on the way home for decades. Given, given everybody rode their bus to lunch, sandwiches, and then on the way home, the, the family and the kids and, and Brother and Mrs. Wright ate their lunch as he drove his bus home and parked his bus at his own house. Just amazing stories of hard work and tenacity and faithfulness. Soul winning. Think about Mrs. McKinney. What a great, and Tom McKinney, great servants of Christ through the years that have loved, uh, loved this church and faithful. And why shouldn't he start naming names? It's terrible. Forgive me about that. Just people that, that flood my mind. We think about the, the great sacrifice. But, you know, God's people, he wants us to remember where we came from so we know where we're going. Somebody, if you fail to remember what, what the Lord did to bring you to a place, you'll cheapen your life today. When you walk onto the campuses of Hiles Anderson or Hammond Baptist or even City Baptist here locally or on this place, we just all just kind of showed up. We get to have the blessing. But if you don't forget, if you don't remember what, you, what God's done to bring you some things, you'll cheapen your life like, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. And the devil wants us to get, become ungrateful and uh, unthankful. Then, then we, we, we kind of live like we, like we deserve it with a sense of entitlement. My name is Jimmy. Take all you give me. It's all about me. And we need to really look, reflect back on the opportunities that God's given us throughout the years. Verse number five, the Bible tells us here that he established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel. He commanded our fathers that they should make them known unto their children. He said, look, look dads, you've got to have an urgency and a responsibility to do this. You know, God gave his people three things. He gave them the law, he gave them the land, and he gave them himself, the Lord. He said, I'm going to give you law. These are the rules. Notice whenever he made man, he gave him responsibility, and he gave him a rule, and then he gave him relationship. And to his people, he gave him a law. He gave him land. This is your property. Every place your feet will walk, Abraham, this is going to be your inheritance. And then he gave him himself. He said, I am your God. I, I, I'm the Lord and one God. And I want, to be, I want to be made number preeminent in your heart and life. And he gave it to his people. And he felt like, you know, I've given them the law. I've given them a couple of rules. 
I've given them land. I've given myself. What more would they want? But if you read the rest of the chapter, you'll see they weren't satisfied. And the truth is, most of us are not satisfied. In Hebrews chapter 13, the Bible says, let your conversation or the way you live be without covetousness, without that itch for more. I'm not satisfied. I wish I had more. But he said, instead of that, be content with such things as you have, knowing this, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. If you go back to your house and it's burned down tonight, and I hope that doesn't happen for anyone, and you still have God, he's enough. Amen. If you go and your car's stolen tomorrow morning, but you still have God, he's enough. The doctor says you're sick. You still have God, he's enough. He wants to be enough for me. He wants to be enough for you. He's never going to leave me, so I should always be content. He said, I want you to, because I made a covenant with Jacob, and I've, I've provided myself to you. I've given them my law and Moses. I think he goes on to say in verse number six, here's the reason that the generation to come might know them, even the children that should be born, who should arise and declare them unto their children. He's talking about the generation now, the children to be born, and then those who will have kids from there. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God and to keep his commandments. Boy, remind that you can trust God. I like that, that thought, I can trust Jesus. Miss Mead, who wrote the song, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. I like that song. But she and her husband and her little girl were walking along the New York the New York, uh, I don't know if it was a river or, or harbor, and a couple boys started screaming, they, they're going to drown, and they can't. And Mr. Mead pulled off his jacket, his shoes, and jumped in there, and they believe he saved one person, not for sure about that, but the other one perished, and he died too. And what went to be a little picnic with his daughter and his wife turned out to be a funeral the next week. And she found herself very desolate, struggling. The story goes that one night, she went to take care of her little daughter. Her name was Lily. Mrs. Mead went on to, be a, to marry again, to be a great missionary in South Africa. But one night, she was sitting there, and she looked in the cupboard. There was nothing for breakfast. She looked at her shoes, and they were worn out. Look at her clothes, and she needed new school clothes. And she said, God, I don't have any place else to go. You've got to help me. You, you gave me this girl. You took my husband home. Now, please help me. She went to bed and woke up the morning with a knock at the door unbeknownst to no one but God, a, a, a box of all the food she would need for some time. And then a $10 bill back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, which would be probably 150 today. All that she would need to buy that. And then she sent little Lily off to school, and later she wrote down, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. And we can trust God. He said, I want the next generation to know they can set their hope in God. I sat with a marriage recently. And I said, you know, you two got to figure it out. But here's what we do need in every marriage that's a Christian marriage. You need faith in God and determination to continue. Trust God and keep working. You work in your relationships, they can start working. But the first thing we have to do is have faith to, to continue going. 
It's one of the reasons why at every time we come to church, we read the Bible. I don't want someone to do a wedding without a Bible in their hand and a reference to the Scripture. I don't want anybody doing a funeral without a Bible. I don't want to, I don't want to start a day at Hammond Baptist School, City Baptist, Hiles Anderson, First Baptist Church. I don't want any, any, any meeting to start without at least some kind of reference to the Bible. Because the most important thing in this ministry that I need in my own life, you need in your life, and this ministry needs is faith. Without faith, it is, can't please God. Where is faith fostered from? From the Word of God. We need, we need, a, we need a foster, but, but we have to have faith in God, determination to continue. And he says here, I want the next generation to have a hope in God. Look at the next thing you want them to have, hope in God, and not forget the works of God, all that God has done. And then, not forget to keep the commandments God gave us. Verse number 8, and they might not be as their who. Boy, I don't want to be in that group, do you? I want to be an example, but not a bad one. Like their fathers. How were their fathers? Can you read it with me? What's What's the attributes? Stubborn, what else? Rebellious. A generation who set not their heart aright. They didn't check themselves. They didn't, they didn't keep their heart right. And whose spirit was not steadfast with God. He'll go on to the rest of the psalm and begin talking about Ephraim. And all that God did for them. He gave them his works. He divided the sea for them. He gave them land. He led them in the cloud by day and a fire by night. He gave them drink in the middle of the desert. And yet they tempted God. They spake against God. They believed not in God. Verse 22 and he commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and rain came upon them. But yet they continued to believe not. Verse 32, and it goes on. They did flatter. They lied unto God. Verse number 36, their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Verse number 41, yea, they turned back and did what? Tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They didn't trust him. Have you ever, you ever known how to do something? You know how to do it? And you can say, you know, I can do this. No, 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 I want you to do it. You know, that's how God feels sometimes. Like, that's nothing for me. I can do that, John. No, I want to keep working at it. When I could let him do things. They, 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 they limited him. Think about this. I always think about what Brother Clarence Sexton said. I think it was right here in this pulpit. He told about picking up Lee Robertson and driving him from Chattanooga, Tennessee, to Powell, Tennessee, to spend a weekend at Temple Baptist Church there in Powell. And as he looked out the window of his car when Brother Sexton picked him up, he said, Clarence, and he's in his 90s, 90 years old. He said, Clarence, he said, yes, sir. He said, I wish I would have trusted God. I wish I would have had more faith in God. That's what he said. I wish I would have had more faith in God. Boy, Brother Clarence said, ah, Brother Brother Sexton said, oh, you did Camp Joy and Tennessee Temple and all the missions and the chapels and Highland Park. He said, I just scratched the surface. If I would just believe God, wish I had more faith in God. Well, I don't want to be 90. First of all, I won't be 90 years old. But I don't want to be old and have that same regret. I think if I died today, I would have that regret. I'd like to be able to be faithful. Would you pray that I would have faith? to believe God. I'm going to pray you have faith to believe God. I'd like to have us a whole room full of faith. Trusting God to do the supernatural. Praying through our problems. Pray through things that we need. Asking God to do things that only he could explain. 
So I want, I want my kids, I don't want them to be stubborn and stiff-necked and not trust me and tempt me. But you know, the thing that stimulated God's desire was a man. Look at verse 70, would you look quickly? Let's just look at this quickly. Verse 70, at the conclusion of all that he remembers about his people, it says that he chose who? David, what do we know about David? He was the king of Israel. Well, we know about his heart. He, he, he even thought, he wanted to think like, he wanted to understand how God thought, how he felt, and what he wanted. And you know, God chose David. I want to just say to you, God has a purpose for every one of you. If you're a 14-year-old girl that lives in Chicago, you're a 38-year-old man that's got a young family over here, you're a retired lady, you're from this country, you're immigrated to this country, it doesn't really matter. God has a purpose for you. Single, married, whatever your situation, position is not important. The fact that God has something for us to do. He says, you know, here's what I'm, I'm going to do to get the next generation. Number one, I'm going to choose a man named David who thinks like I do, who wants what I want, and who feels like I feel. I'm going to select him. And by the way, being a leader in our generation is really letting God choose me to do what he wants to do. Choose you to do what he wants to do. I was speaking to a man the other day, and he told me, he said, Pastor, I remember where I was. I was on an airplane. When I, I know it sounds crazy, but I believe God called me to do something specific in my life. On that airplane where there's no, there was no Wi-Fi, I couldn't work on my computer, I, couldn't do, I was just me and God sitting on an airplane for 14 hours. And I think God confirmed in my life what he wants me to do with my life. That's a good, that's a good thing. By the way, you don't even know what you need. don't even have to know what you're going to do. Just, just be surrendered to what you should be. If you'll be what God wants you to be, you'll do what he wants you to do. Wherever in the world he wants you to do it. If you just be what you're supposed to be today. Sometimes we have dreams. We let our dreams get way out in front of us. And we're going, here, God, catch up with me. We don't want God to catch up with us. We want to catch up with him. We want to go with him. We want his presence to go with him. It's like Moses said, Lord, if your presence goes not with me, then I ain't going. Hang this. I'm not going to do it. If you don't go with us, I'm not interested. That's how every one of us shall be committed. But you know, he selected David. And serving a generation means you have to understand God's choice for you. Number two, he, he chose David, his servant. What makes somebody special? Who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? The servant. He chose a servant. By the way, all of us ought to get a revival of, of serving. Not being served, not being happy. We got, we got people just fall in love. Like, I deserve to be happy. Find that Bible verse with me, would you? It's not a Bible concept. You know how you can be happy? Find something God wants you to do and do it. Sir, he, he selected David and he saw in him a heart of a servant. Think about it on Ron Hamilton. We've sung a couple songs from him. Bow the knee and rejoice in the Lord. Give me, Lord, a servant's heart. Cleanse my heart like every part. Give me, Lord, a servant's heart. He was a servant. Notice what else we see here. Not only was he selected and was he a serving, but we find that he took him from where? Sheepfolds. Shepherding. 
From following ewes, great with young, he brought them to feed his people. He found them something pretty simple for people to do in that time. It was, he was the youngest kid in the family. All the other guys are off in war doing other things, and his little brother is watching pregnant sheep on a hillside waiting to have a baby. Doing something menial and small, but someone who had a heart to shepherd sheep that weren't his sheep. That is shepherd's heart. We need a revival of shepherds. Sunday school teacher, and if you're not teaching Sunday school, and you should, you ought to see Brother Cowling, and, and if you want to see me, I'll talk to you, I'll, I'll work out something. Some of us ought to be teaching. Some of us ought to strive. Some of us ought to find, what is it God wants me to do that I can shepherd people? I can love people, and they're not your people. You're not my people. I'm not yours. You're not mine. We're not each other's, but we all belong to God. He said, I'm going to find someone who I choose, who's a servant, who has a shepherd's heart. I would imagine a shepherd's heart. What comes to your mind? Someone raise your hand and tell me, what comes to your mind? What would be in a shepherd's heart? I've never been, I've never been a, a shepherd, but what do you think would be in an, inside of a shepherd? Yes, sir, Brother John? Okay, someone who made sure the sheep was nourished. Kept giving them something there. Anybody else have something that comes to mind, Jason? Protected. He's protecting sheep. Whatever dad, every mom, you've you got to have a shepherd's heart if you're going to have, have a, a long-lasting ministry with your kids. You'll protect them. You're going to take care of them, provide for them. What else do you think might be in a shepherd's mind? Antonio? Guide them. He leads me beside. Yeah, so he, he guides them. So, you know, here's what I need to do. They won't, I understand sheep won't, won't drink out of a, ro, a, a running brook. They won't. They have to pool the, pool the, the, the water so it's still. They often have to be full to lie down. He anoints their head with oil to keep the insects from messing with them and them getting on with other sheep and rubbing on their, their irritations and their parasites on them. They put it on each other. It separates some kids while they're, while they're having a difficult time where they've got infection. I don't want them rubbing their head. And he put their oil on their head to keep the flies and the other things setting into their deep, their deep wool. A lot of things a shepherd do. He says, you know, I, I'm going I'm to let David. I watch how he takes care of little things, little sheep. And I'm going to ask him to do the same thing to my people. Boy, every school teacher, pray for our principals of our school. Pray for assistant pastors. Pray for our youth pastors. Brother, Brother Hubal Perez working with our Spanish teens. Brother, Brother Ricky, Brother Abdel, and those who will work with them, and a whole army of people that love them and help them. What they're doing, they're shepherding. They're working with their kids. And boy, we need the heart of a shepherd. So he, he found someone he selected. He was a servant. He was a shepherd. And he understood stewardship. He said, I'm taking him from these little sheep. I'm taking him to take care of my people. And may I just remind you, even our own life is not ours. Your health is not your health. Your car is not your car. Your house is not your house. Your kids aren't even your kids. We all belong to God, and everything we have, God gave to us, even responsibility and platform. I, I thought about this today as I prepared for the message earlier this morning, just reminding myself, Lord, I don't even know why you let me be in this office to have any kind of this. I know this is not my work. It's your work. Lord, thank you that you've given us a platform to, to influence people for the gospel of Christ. This is his gospel. It's his church. It's his great commission. Everything is God's. 
It starts with him, it ends with him. Boy, a good day would be when I understand that and you understand that. He picked David as a steward of what he did. But when you think your job's your job, you'll do whatever you want to with it. When you think your house is your house, you'll, you'll live like you want to. When you think your, your life is your life, you'll do whatever you want to with it. But remember, the Bible tells us, even in, especially in the area of, of purity, what? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of who? Of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. You are not your... Before you pick up and something, look and scroll through something you shouldn't see, you got to think, you know what, these eyes don't belong to me. This body does not belong to me. This is the Lord's. Glorify God. Give others a good opinion of God in your body, in your spirit, which belong to God. David understood servitude. He understood shepherding. He understood stewardship. Look at the last two words, if you would, please, in verse number 72. And he fed them according to the integrity of his heart, sincerity, and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. He said, I know this guy. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to be genuine in heart. He'll have integrity of heart. And then listen, friends, we need a revival of just pure motives, sincere, genuine integrity. No one appreciates a fake, a hypocrite. Nothing aggravates children more than, in, in, than, than insincerity in their leaders. When we say one thing, we do another one. He said, this, this is a... This is a David, he will guide my people with integrity of heart and skillfulness of his hands. That means he'll keep learning. He'll get better at it. He'll use his skill sets. Whatever we do, we need to improve them. And I think David understood. God said, I, I see this in David. I'll select him. He's a servant. He's a shepherd in heart. He understands it's not his people, it's my people. He'll be sincere and a man of integrity and he will guide them by the integrity and by the skillfulness of his hands, developing skills and working toward things. I think our next generation, you know what we need? We need Davids all over this room. And some Davids need to be named Davida. <laughs> They're sweet girls. We need Christians like David. Some of you girls, you need to have these same attributes. Say, Pastor, I don't think I'll ever be a mama. You can be a type of David. Pastor, I don't think I'm ever going to be a dad. You can still be a David to someone. If God would help us in our heart and life to, to say, God, please choose me. I'll be a servant. I'll be a shepherd. I'll understand that my life is not mine. It's about you. I'll, I'll have sincerity and integrity, and I'm going to be better at whatever you called me to do. I'm going to increase the skillfulness of my hands. I think it's needed for this church and for the next generation. And we need to be committed to the Lord. Say, God, please give me a David's heart. I'd like to encourage you to maybe take time this afternoon when you go home. Write down a couple of these thoughts there in 70, 71, 72. Underline in your Bible. Pray over them this week. Say, God, please help me to be a servant, a shepherd, a steward. Help me to be sincere and genuine and integrity. Ring true. Help me, Lord, to develop skills that will make me more efficient in doing what you want to do with my life and for the next generation. Let's stand together, can we please? If God spoke in your heart, can I encourage you to respond to him?